Who's ready to rock today, Fire Nation? JLD here with the March 2019 Income Report. We have some great things we're going to be talking about with you today to include PodFest 2019, to include my first successful exit as an investor with Gimlet Media via the Spotify buyout and so much more. Uh, Real quick, our gross income for March was $155,405. Our total expenses were over $27,000 for a net profit of $127,670. The difference between March and February was a negative 40,000 for March. We had a, a huge month in February for a number of reasons we talked about on the last income report. So we're still very happy and thrilled with our total net profit for March 2019. And we'll get into some of that coming up after we get back from thanking our sponsor. Growing businesses need qualified candidates, and qualified candidates can be a challenge to find. Lucky for us, ZipRecruiter makes it simple, fast, and smart. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, Fire Nation, we're back. And as always, we have Kate and Josh, Mr. CPA on fire with us today. And David Lizabram, our attorney slash legal counsel, is on the show today as well to drop some value bombs in those areas. And we have so much to talk about that I'm not going to waste any time. We're going to dive in with Josh Bowerly's monthly tax tip. And I can't wait. So Josh, take it away. Well, John, we made it. Another tax season is nearly in the books. And this has been an especially interesting tax season for me because I went from basically preparing 70, 80% of all the returns that came into my business myself to probably preparing less than 10% of them myself this year. And as I've transitioned into more of this uh, brand building role in the business, I've gotten to take kind of a high level look at the taxes, a high level look at the clients, And it's been interesting. I've got to see things from a whole different perspective this year. And I know every year at the end of tax season, I do this column, uh, a few lessons I've learned from the previous tax season. And John, I know I'm always a little bit grumpy by the time we get to this column uh, because I've I've put in those long hours. I've uh, dealt with a lot of back and forth with a lot of different people. I had to make a lot of people angry with taxes they've owed. But this year's different, right? I only had to deal with uh, about 10% of that. So I'm going to be a much happier lessons learned kind of guy this year. All right. So without further ado, here's a few lessons that I've learned this tax season. And I think they do apply to everybody in Fire Nation. Number one, look, I I think I've said this on every income report. I've definitely said it on every lessons learned column. You have to have proper bookkeeping. Bookkeeping is simply vital to your business. All right. And there's just still not enough people doing it properly. You've got to have at the very minimum accounting software. All right. If you have any type of activity in your business, if you have revenue coming in, you've got to scrap the whole spreadsheet thing. I used to tell people a spreadsheet was okay. No more. It's not good enough. You've got to have at the very least accounting software, meaning zero QuickBooks online, some type of cloud-based accounting system. And once your business can afford it, you really need to be using actual outsourced bookkeeping. All right. Look, if you run a business, 
you're not a bookkeeper. That's not your expertise, right? Leave the bookkeeping to people that their expertise is bookkeeping. Leave the taxes to people whose expertise is taxes. Spend your time on the things you are an expert in. So lesson number one, it's always going to be there. I'm going to keep repeating it over and over again. Bookkeeping is so important to every layer of your business from the taxes to just running the day-to-day. Get it done right. Throw the spreadsheet away. Number two, Every single entrepreneur needs to read the book Profit First, right? John, I, I, I know we've talked about it a little bit. I don't know if you've ever read it. Um, excellent book for every business owner. Basically helps you set up a system for cash management, meaning cash comes in. What do I do with the cash? A client pays me for my services, for my product. What am I doing with that cash? And it lays out a full plan of Set this much aside for taxes. Set this much aside for your operating expenses. But most importantly, set this much aside to pay yourself right off the top. And I've talked to the author, Mike. uh, I'm not going to even butcher his last name. Uh, I've talked to him a few times. Great guy. Excellent plan. If you do not have a plan for your cash, if you're not doing something with that cash right away as it comes in, you have got to read the book Profit First. I promise you, if you read this book, if you implement what it tells you, you will transform your business. You'll transform your financial life. Right? It's that big. It's that important. Every single entrepreneur needs to read it. Cash management is, again, one of the big issues that I see entrepreneurs having. Number three, no one cares about your business more than you. Okay, this one's short and simple, but every single year we have clients and and we hear from them that they thought so-and-so was taking care of something for them, but that person didn't do it and the client stuck with the consequences. Okay, so whether it's your CPA, your bookkeeper, your attorney, your financial advisor, any other professional, any other employee, no matter who it is, if they're doing something for your business, you have to keep in mind that no one cares about your business as much as you do. All right. We, we like to think that we can rely on people to get things done. And, and to a point, we absolutely can. We absolutely have to. But for the important things, you have to verify that those are getting done. Kate, I know you are constantly trying to verify, did this get filed by our tax team? And it's even bigger for you guys because you, you have stuff going on in the U.S. You have stuff going on in Puerto Rico. I know you're constantly back and forth trying to figure out what did and didn't get done. You don't just sit back and rely and say, well, I hope they did it. We'll find out. Okay. For the important stuff in your business, you have to make sure it's getting done. So stay on your CPA, stay on your bookkeepers, stay on your attorneys, stay on your financial advisors. Make sure the important stuff for your business is getting done. Don't just put blind faith in them. I'm sure they're great. I'm sure they're professionals, but the bottom line is they have a ton of clients to worry about. Your business isn't their highest priority. Your business is your highest priority. All right. So treat it as such. And number four, my last uh, lesson learned this year was a little bit of good news. We'll end it with some good news. And that is that those major tax law changes that they passed way back at the end of 2017 were, for the most part, very beneficial to small business owners. Okay, and they, they passed those way back in 2017. We have not got to really see how they would directly impact entrepreneurs, small business owners, a lot of Fire Nation until we did these taxes this year because the changes didn't hit until the 2018 tax year. And for the most part, we saw good news. Um, A lot of small business owners were seeing a tremendous deduction, especially if they were pretty profitable in that business. And it treated everybody differently. Um, Different businesses have different levels for that. Service-based businesses are treated differently than product-based businesses. But overall, we saw people being helped by that tax law. Um, at least in this small portion. Again, no endorsement either way, but in this small area, it was good news. So 
that's it. That's a wrap on the 2018 tax season. Um, almost, probably by the time this airs, it'll be a wrap. Um, we're, we're wrapping everything up on our end, certainly. Uh, I just want to take a minute to thank Fire Nation. You are always such a huge part of every single tax season for us. Uh, you're our favorite clients. We, we love when you, people come from Fire Nation. And just thank you all for making it such a huge success year after year. Uh, it's been even more fun this year seeing it from, a, from more of a high level perspective and seeing how great your guys' businesses are. It's a little harder to see when you're down in the trenches doing the taxes. So, John, thank you and Kate. You guys have made it awesome as always. Fire Nation, thank you. And excited to officially turn the page to 2019 for us CPAs. That doesn't happen until tax season's over. So, talk to you guys next month. And as always, uh, they can reach out to me directly, josh at cponfire.com or check out our website, cponfire.com. Josh, thank you so much for dropping those value bombs, brother, and Fire Nation. As always, reach directly out to Josh at his email address, josh at cpaonfire.com. And of course, cpaonfire.com, the website, has a lot of awesome stuff for you. And I have to agree that the book Profit First by Michael Michalowicz is an absolute must read for every entrepreneur. So definitely check it out. So without any further ado, let's dive in with David Lizerbram, our legal counsel with a legal tip on should one register their logo as a trademark? A good question we get all the time in a podcast was paradise. And David, I won't spoil anything. So take it away, brother. Hey, okay. So today's legal tip is about the question, should I register my logo as a trademark? So logos can function as trademarks just like any other type of brand identifier, like your business name or brand name. In the world of trademark law, we refer to logos as design marks as opposed to word marks. So if you hear the term design mark or you read that somewhere, that's just referring to a logo. So a logo can be a pure design, meaning it's just an image, or it can be a design that includes words, letters, or numbers. In either case, if your logo is an important brand identifier, meaning if the logo is strongly identified with your company, products, or services, then it's worth protecting by registering it as a trademark. Um, In the U.S., trademarks are registered with the United States Patent and Trademark Office, or USPTO, and basically the same rules apply to all trademarks, including logos. The proposed logo trademark must satisfy the USPTO's requirements, and it must be unique in connection with the goods and services, which means if somebody else is already using the same or a similar logo, it can't function as your trademark, and you can't register it with the trademark office. Logos also differ from word marks in that they also implicate copyright law. A logo, just like any other kind of visual image, is protected under copyright law at the moment of creation, and that's per the United States Copyright Act. So if someone knocks off your logo, they may be committing both trademark and copyright infringement, which means you have two potential legal claims against the infringer. But it's important to be sure that your company actually owns the logo, both under copyright and trademark office. So if someone else created your logo, meaning it wasn't created directly by you and or an employee of your company, it's important that there's a signed contract with the designer granting your company full rights in the image. This contract should be created or reviewed by an intellectual property lawyer to ensure that it's in compliance with the law and that it's effective in transferring the IP rights. So to summarize... If you have a logo that's important to your business, here are the steps you should follow. Number one, make sure your company actually owns the logo, and if necessary, that there are contracts in place to prove ownership. Number two, make sure your logo is unique. If the image is being used by someone else, then it can't function as your trademark or be registered with the trademark office. 
And number three, once you've passed steps in one and two, register your logo with the United States Patent and Trademark Office or the Trademark Office in your country or jurisdiction. Trademark mistakes are easy to make and the consequences can be vast. So if you have questions about how to best protect your trademarks, please feel free to contact me. I can provide more information about your trademark issue or handle a full trademark registration. You can get in touch with me at productsofthemind.net, productsofthemind.net, or just search for David Lizerbram, trademark attorney. There's only one of me, and if you Google that, you will definitely find me. Thanks a lot, and I'll talk to you next time. David, value bombs galore. Thanks for dropping those in Fire Nation. Hope you have all your questions answered on that specific topic, but if you don't, just email David. He is there to answer your questions as always, so you can just contact him. And of course, his website is a great place for you to get all the information that you need on everything when it comes to legal issues, for entrepreneurs, etc. And if you head over to eofire.com slash income67, you will be able to check out David's website, his email address, and so much more. We have everything linked up there as always. So David, thank you, brother, and we'll catch up with you shortly. So we have Kate Erickson in the house. I'm going to pass the mic over to her now because she's going to start the conversation about what went down in March. We're going to be talking about PodFest in Orlando and uh, all that surrounded that because it was a whole trip. It wasn't just a business trip. We uh, had a lot of family in town as well for which we'll get into a little bit. But Kate, say what's up to Fire Nation and take it away. What's up, Fire Nation? Thanks so much for joining us for another income report. Um, March 2019, our 67th income report. <laughs> you know, it would be really interesting if I if we added up all the time that we have spent recording these episodes and all the time that it takes to prepare them, that would be one <laughs> massive paycheck. <laughs> but as always, excited to be here. And I'm excited to talk about PodFest in Orlando because we kind of did a little bit of a teaser in last month's income report where we talked about the amount of time that went into preparing for PodFest. And we named a lot of the reasons why in last month's income report. But in this month's income report, we get to talk about the actual event. Um, it was the fifth annual PodFest Multimedia Expo. Um, as John mentioned, it went down in Orlando, Florida, which was great for us because super close to Puerto Rico. So not much uh, big travel time there. But actually, I ended up flying into Orlando a couple of days early from a trip to New Mexico and uh, got to spend a couple of days at the resort before the event went down, which was quite nice because it allowed me to kind of organize all of our booth goods. Um, we had some journals coming in and um, I got to relax there for a couple of days. So that was nice. And then John, you also came in early because as you mentioned, we did a little family fun in Orlando. We went to Universal Studios for John's niece's eighth birthday. And Island of Adventure was super cool. What was your favorite ride, John? I loved the Hulk. It was the best ride there. Oh my gosh, it was so fun. So John's sister, Marcy, lost a bet. So she had to go on the ride, which she did not want to do. <laughs> it was paper, rock, scissors. She lost paper, rock, scissors. And because I, her big older brother, beat her in paper, rock, scissors, she had to go on the Hulk. 
<laughs> so she's freaking out when we're in line and not going to lie. I was freaking out a little bit too, but I definitely wanted to go on it. Like I wasn't considering, considering not going on it. I was just a little bit nervous because I knew it was going to be such a doozy of a ride and we get strapped in um, and, and the ride takes off. And you know, when you're on a roller coaster and you're going up, 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 and like, you know, a drop's coming. Well, so you start going up, 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 but then like before you even get a quarter of the way up, this thing goes like zero to 60 in <laughs> milliseconds. And oh my gosh, it caught me so off guard. I definitely blacked out at some point on this ride because it was going so fast, like I couldn't see anything. But it was such a fun ride. So I agree with you. That was my favorite as well. And I thought that the whole Harry Potter world that they have there, that was super cool too. Did you watch those movies? I didn't see any of the movies, haven't read any of the books. I feel like at some point in my future, I'm going to dive in, just get completely committed, but it just hasn't really got me yet. Oh, you totally have to. I really think that you'd enjoy it. Um, but anyhow, we did the uh, Universal Studios, which was great fun. And then we dove straight into the event. John, you did the opening keynote. Um, we had a Podcaster's Paradise booth in the exhibitors area. Zach Hesterberg was back again to help us out with the booth, which was a huge help. Shout out to Zach. Um, I had a breakout session on creating systems. And then we closed out the event with... Your roast, John. My which, roast. The roast so of nervous. John Lee Dumas. Yeah, you were so much more nervous than I was. You know what? It ended up being a much better overall experience than I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> like everybody was really funny and people prepared jokes in loving and in fun. And um, yeah, there was a lot of love radiating from that room. Yeah, I don't know what you were expecting. It was actually exactly what I thought it was going to be. You know, people made fun of what they should have made fun of. And it was all in good jest. It was all in good fun. And they definitely ripped apart each other as well, which just kind of like made the mood light. So it wasn't just like seven people getting up on one person. It was like seven people making fun of everybody and then really putting the spotlight on me for like the final, you know, 75% of their time and coming down hard, which again was great and fun. And my parents were there. They loved it. I mean, my dad, literally, if you would ask him afterwards, like, hey, how much would you have paid for entrance to just that? He probably would have been like 250 bucks because he was laughing. He was crying with like tears of laughter. My mother was going in there like, I don't want them talking bad about my little boy. And by the end, she was just like, they were hysterical. I love those people. So it was so well done. You know, big uh, hat tip to Michael O'Neill. I mean, that guy is meant to be an MC. He's meant to be a roast master. I mean, he is just so good up there. So if anybody listening has MC opening for an event or wants to do a roast of some kind. I mean, you just can't beat Michael O'Neill. The dude just has it on lockdown. But what would you say your overall favorite part of the roast was, Kate? Well, I was just trying to think of maybe like a PG joke that we could share. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think there is one. Like these were so R plus plus plus. Yeah. Like what's after R X? What's really good though was after the roast, we all went to dinner together. So myself, Pat Flynn, Jordan Harbinger, Jessica Kuferman, Michael O'Neill, like everybody that was involved, we all went to dinner. We had a great, incredible meal. It was an absolute blast. And we were laughing about it. We were retelling all the jokes that were hysterical and everybody that crushed it and some jokes that just went flat because of course not everybody hits a thousand when they tell jokes. And it was just a great time. Then we went into some karaoke afterwards as well. 
And I mean, PodFest was just an incredible event. I mean, there was a thousand people there in the audience for my opening keynotes. You know, there was close to that number when Pat closed it down at the end. And that's one thing that really impressed me was how people really stayed throughout the entire event all the way till the end. Pat delivered an amazing closing keynote. And then, I mean, there were hundreds and hundreds of people at my roast. And I was just like, I figured everybody had to be gone taking flights by now, but they specifically stayed to watch the roast. And it was so fun, such a great time. And, you know, another hat tip, you know, to the founders of PodFast. I mean, they all just did a really, really great job. You know, John Dennis, Katie and Chris Kromosis. I mean, they just crushed it. And I can say it's it's on our, you know, probably need to do next year as well, just because they did such a good job. So what else do you want to uh, chat about PodFest, Kate? Uh, well, I just noted in the income report that it was really great to sit down and chat with people like John Dennis, like Chris Kromotsos. You know, we got to spend some legitimate time with those guys. Um, seeing Katie Kromotsos was awesome. Glenn the Geek and his partner, Jemmy, who I actually did a Facebook Live with them to help promote the event. And so we were able to chat beforehand. Um, I've, of course, uh, seen and met with Glenn many times in the past, but I've never really gotten to spend any time with Jemmy in person. So that was really cool. Just, you know, being able, as with any event, like being able to connect with those people who you really only spend time with online, it's just really great to solidify the relationship, um, you know, to be able to make jokes and laugh with each other in person versus over Zoom video or Skype video, which don't get me wrong, that's also awesome. But um, spending time with them, we got to also, we, we were booth neighbors with our partners over at Podcast Websites, Mark and Kieran. So it was great to see and be able to spend some time with them. Um, we were able to be re- reunited with longtime friends, many of who you've already mentioned, John, Pat Flynn, Mike O'Neill, uh, Travis Chappell was in the house, Allison Melody. Um, they, they are both uh, alumni of Puerto Palooza. So it was great to hang with them. And actually we had from this year, gosh, so I guess four total Portapalooza alumni because we also had Jason in the house and Sue was there. So that was pretty cool. We got to spend time with these people in person at our event, Portapalooza in Puerto Rico, and then I got to also spend some time with them in Orlando, which was great. And John, I'll just share maybe my biggest takeaway from the event this year before we um, head on. And it was certainly not one that we had learned for the first time. In fact, in all of our podcasting content, our free courses throughout our community membership, we focus on this topic often. Um, And it's the idea that podcasting is a marathon, not a sprint. And you don't come up with a podcast idea one day and the next day you launch and all of a sudden you're a top ranked podcast, getting hundreds or thousands of downloads. Um, You know, I, I really lost count of the number of conversations I had with other podcasters who were they weren't talking about how much money they make from podcasting. They weren't talking about you know, how brutal and strenuous it is for them to create content every day, because I felt like so many people that we were talking to, they just like truly love what they're doing. They're so excited and happy about um, the impact that they're making, the niche that they're in, their ability to create this content, their freedom to create this content around these topics that, you know, really make a, a big impact in their verticals and their industries. And, you know, People just shared so many incredible opportunities and experiences that they've had as a result of their podcast. 
And this was a topic that even made it into Pat Flynn's closing keynote. I mean, that was something that he really focused on a lot is just the power of podcasting in terms of how it can impact your personal life, your um, professional life, you know, as an entrepreneur, the types of opportunities that come about from podcasting. Um, He even asked me to share mine, which uh, was a part of his keynote presentation that, you know, my first speaking gig, I got that because of my podcast. Um, You know, people were sharing relationships that they've created as a result of their podcast, uh, jobs or businesses that they've created because of their podcast. So, you know, a lot of incredible things come as a result of podcasting. It's not all about download numbers. It's not all about revenue generated. It's about so much more than that. And I really feel like PodFest uh, brought that home. Yeah, and I'll share one of the biggest takeaways I wanted people to get personally from my keynote and from uh, PodFest in general, and that was during my talk, I shared the top four tactics on creating, launching, growing, and monetizing your podcast. So I shared a total of 16 tactics over my keynote, and the one that I really wanted to impress upon people because it happens all the time is people are always coming to us, whether it be in Podcasters Paradise or just questions outside of Paradise that are asking about podcasting tips, tools, and tactics is, John, how do I grow my podcast bigger? Like, how do I market it better? How do I get more listeners and all these things? And and listen, that is a goal that you want to have. You want your podcast to grow. But my point that I wanted people to really understand and a takeaway that I wanted people to walk away with was don't focus on trying to grow your podcast bigger. Focus on trying to become a better podcaster. That's the key. Don't focus on getting bigger. Focus on getting better. Because if you can hone your skills as a podcast host, as an interviewer, as somebody who's dropping value bombs on a topic or a Q&A show, whatever your show might be, if you can be better, guess what? Your show is going to grow because people are going to subscribe and stay subscribed and keep coming back and listening and talking and being evangelists and letting their friends know you have to listen to this episode if it's better. But there's so many people that are spending all of their free time and all of their free money and energy trying to market their show and their show's not good. So you can get a million people to check out your show and a million people to never check it out again if it's not good. So don't focus on getting bigger, focus on getting better. That's the big takeaway that I wanna make sure you get Fire Nation if you're in that podcasting realm, but it applies to everything you're doing, whatever your video show or your Instagram or your blog or your book, whatever it might be, quality matters, never more so than today right now. So Kate, we're about to uh, take a break for our sponsor, but anything you want to add on this topic before we dive into our sponsor and next topic? Yeah, I'm just really glad that you mentioned, you know, this, of course, is super applicable to podcasting. It was a great value bomb you dropped in the presentation in that regard. Um, But thank you for saying that this applies to everything. Because when I think about this, I really think about when I first started the blog and what, you know, I, I was not a good blog writer when I started our blog, but as I focused on becoming a better writer by writing more, you know, that's when I started finding my voice. That's when I started choosing topics that I was passionate about, not just fully focusing it on what I thought I was supposed to be writing about. And because I gave it that time and because I gave that focus on becoming better, now when we're looking back in our analytics, finding some of our highest trafficked posts that we have on our entire site. A lot of those are posts that 
I can directly remember like that's right around the time that I felt like I finally found my voice. So, you know, I know that sometimes it can be frustrating. You can feel discouraged by maybe the amount of time you've been working on something, but stick with it. And as John said, focus on getting better. Get better, Fire Nation. Hone your craft. And we're going to be talking about some really cool things after the break. I'll be talking about my first ever successful exit of an investment that I made. And we're also going to be talking about the specifics of where we generated our revenue. And of course, we have the biggest lesson learned of March 2019. You are not going to want to miss when we get back from thinking our sponsor. Ever felt like your hiring process is inefficient and like you're struggling to grow your company to its potential? If so, you're not alone. Take this case study from Fred, founder and CEO of Finder. Finder helps people make more informed financial decisions by providing comparisons of personal finance products like credit cards and insurance. Fred wanted to staff up quickly after launching in the US, but finding qualified matches from other sites was challenging and his recruiting process was disorganized. ZipRecruiter's platform centralizes hiring and their AI-driven matching technology helped Fred find more quality candidates fast. He was able to scale his staff from zero to 12 in a matter of months, filling roles with varying levels of skills and experience. Fred says, if you are a growth company and you want a diversity of quality people to hire, ZipRecruiter is the best solution out there. In the US, we staff Finder on ZipRecruiter. If you want to find hiring success like Fred did, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ziprecruiter.com slash fire. That's ziprecruiter.com slash fire. Once again, zip recruiter.com slash fire zip recruiter the smartest way to hire so fire nation we're back and listen back in 2014 alex bloomberg was a pretty big deal in the podcasting world he was the host of this american life and planet money and he was rocking and rolling but i will say and he actually admitted this to me in a one-on-one conversation um that he was kind of looking around and saying hey like this little upstart JLD guy just launched a podcast interviewing people like a year and a half ago. He's making six figures of revenue a month, sometimes more. Like what the heck is going on? Like I'm here working, you know, as my, my butt off for two of the biggest shows and I'm getting paid a salary that I'm making less in a year than he's making in a month. And I'm like traveling to work. I'm like in an office and all these things. And so because of that and a lot of other factors as well, believe me, he left and he started his own podcasting venture. And I can remember clear as day. I was exercising in our place back in San Diego and I was listening to his new part podcast that he had just launched called Startup. And he was talking about how, hey, if you're listening to this podcast today and he named today's date, which I was, he's like, if you're listening to it right now at noon today, we're going to open up investing for our new company that we've now named Gimlet for a seed round of investors. So anybody that wants to invest a maximum of $10,000, you can do just that today at noon. And I was just like, you know what? Something's right about this. Like I have the disposable revenue to make this happen. And I believe in podcasting to the core of my soul because this is what I'm doing day in and day out. I would love to be a part of this. So I wasn't yet an accredited investor. Like I met the requirements to be an accredited investor. I just never gotten it done. So I scrambled for the next like hour with Josh, my CPA on fire here. You heard, heard him from him earlier. We scrambled for a while and I became an accredited investor by filling out the right paperwork and getting approvals, et cetera, et cetera, just in time. And then the um, round opened at noon as promised. And boom, I went for the max $10,000. And then I refreshed it like an hour later after I got back from like lunch or something and they had already filled the rounds. They took 78 people and it raised just under like $300,000 and that was it. 
And then like a year later, um, they actually came back and said, okay, hey, we're actually raising another round, this time like close to a million dollars. Um, and we're opening up to investors first. And again, we're capping you at 10,000, but you can definitely invest up to 10,000. And I was like, you know what? They've grown the company. They're still looking good. I want to invest again. So I did another 10,000 investments. You know, that was back in 2015. So 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, years go by. So this was not, you know, an overnight investment success. Years go by. And all of a sudden, Kate literally is the person who broke the news to me, like forwarded me uh, an email that said, hey, this is good news for us, right? And I like opened the email and it says, Spotify to buy Gimlet Media for $230 million. And I was like, what? That's huge news. Like obviously not just for the investors, but just for podcasting in general, that Spotify would buy a podcast creation company for $230 million. I mean, that was just mind-blowing. And so, you know, it ended up going back and forth. The sale ended up going through at that price point. Um, I will be completely transparent here here and say that both Gimlet and the investment company that like held our funds did a horrendous job. I mean, terrible job keeping investors up to date. I mean, they were literally ghosts. They didn't let us know anything. I mean, they were dealing with a bunch of their own crap, I'm sure. But Listen, when you have people that invest in your company early on, you owe it to them to keep them updated. So F marks across the board for them for not keeping investors updated in any way, shape, and form. So just wanted to be transparent there that they were not um, delivering on that end of the bargain. But lo and behold, you know, I, I kind of kept knocking on the door and, and finally got to somebody who would communicate with me and found out what the payout was going to be, which I've since been paid out for. So to, again, to continue the complete transparency, that first $10,000 turned into $143,000. So I had that deposited into my bank account. And the second $10,000 rounds turned into $45,000. So obviously a much smaller return because it was the second round, not the seed round of investments. But overall, that $20,000 turned into $188,000. So a phenomenal investment. Everything worked out in the end, hypothetically. I mean, you know, the thing is, we never got numbers. We never got a breakdown. We don't even really have any idea because of the horrendous communication on both parties, both Gimlet's um, and the investment company that held the funds. Um, but it is what it is. You know, I could spend time and money and effort like trying to like dig through and, and see everything, but I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm just happy that this is good for podcasting, that I made an incredible return and that all seems well um, for Spotify going forward and the big podcasting push. They also, in the same move, uh, bought Anchor for $50 million for those of you that are familiar with Anchor. And by the way, they said, they're not done yet. So Spotify is going real big into podcasting, investing, investing. And I'll tell you why real quick. They're doing it because of this reason. They have done the research and they have the analytics and they know that, hey, somebody wants to listen to a song, they're going to go to Spotify and for three minutes, they'll listen to the song and then they'll get off and they'll go do their thing. But guess what? They've also noticed that that three minutes is what's called inactive listening. Like people aren't like sitting there like studying, taking notes on the song. You know, they might be kind of like humming along to it, having conversations in the background. Like the song's just there because it's good entertainment. People listen to podcasts on Spotify. They're there for 30 minutes plus, depending on the length of the episode. And they are 
active listeners. They're listening. They're usually by themselves. They're taking notes. They're just really listening to engage and absorb all of that content from that episode. It's an active listenership. And that's what Spotify wants. They want active listeners. So they're going big into podcasting. Pandora's going big into podcasting. And now they're playing the catch-up game. So you're going to probably see some pretty big acquisitions from Pandora just trying to catch up. Um, so it's pretty crazy what's going on right now. Um, Spotify's actually since bought this company called Parcast as well for million uh, for hundreds of millions of dollars. So I mean, it's just still happening and it's crazy. Um, but it's a really exciting time for podcasting. And... That's pretty much all I have to say about that. And it was a very successful, obvious investment and exit for us. Um, but Kate, kind of interested on your perspective, anything you might want to add before we move on to the income breakdown? It was definitely very exciting, as you've noted. Um, kudos on you know being active and jumping in there, even though like I'm sure it wasn't super easy. Okay, well, let me ask you this. So you're listening to that episode. Alex says, we're opening this round today. Like, were you like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I should do this. Like $10,000 is a lot of money. Like, did, was that kind of like a scary thing for you? Or were you like, oh my gosh, I'm so in, like n- no matter what? It was the latter. I was just convinced that this was going to be huge. I mean, $10,000 is was and always will be a lot of money, but I just felt like it was an investment that I was at a place that it, I could and wanted to make. And so I was all in. Yeah. Okay. So, well, I was going to say like, if it was scary, you know, that's <laughs> of, <laughs> that's of is scary, but I mean, that's also a great feeling that you were so confident about it. You know, you followed your gut on that, even though, you know, just as well as we're sitting here with this success story, it could have just as well been a non-success story. Um, so kudos for that. It's super exciting. And, um, I also wanted to mention now I'm hearing if you're on Spotify premium, you get your Hulu uh, membership included in that. So I kind of wonder if this is just like dipping their toes in, like seeing like, is there a partnership with Hulu? I don't really know what that relationship is. But as you said, Spotify is not done yet. Um, I'm not like assuming or guessing that they're going to acquire Hulu or anything. But it's very interesting to see like how they as like a music streaming platform, audio streaming platform, that they're dipping their toes in so many different areas. You know, first it was all about music. Now it's podcasting and this uh, partnership or whatever it is with Hulu, um, where you get Hulu included with Spotify premium, you know, they're obviously testing out people's interest in, you know, television and that type of production. So it's really interesting what's happening in this space. And I feel like it's all happening so quickly um, can sometimes even be hard to keep up with all the news that goes on. But um, thanks, Google Alerts. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Google Alerts. And I'll give a shout out to Pod News. If you just Google Pod News, um, it's a daily podcasting newsletter that keeps you really up to date on all things happening in the podcasting world. And also a shout out uh, to Pod2Pod. That's T-O, Pod2Pod, which is a weekly newsletter on podcasting. So if you have any interest to subscribe to either one of those, you can just Google either Pod News or Pod2Pod or both. Become a subscriber and stay up to date on all that jazz. So, 
Fire Nation, March 2019's income breakdown. From our products and services, we generated $112,000. Our journal sales were over $11,000. Uh, 4000 came from the Freedom Journal. 3700 came from the Mastery. And 3900 came from the Podcast Journal. So I think this is the second year, uh, month in a row, actually, the Podcast Journal beat out the Mastery Journal, which is super cool. And they were all super similar. I mean, they're all within $400 of each other, which is pretty pretty crazy and pretty cool. So congratulations to our three journals for continuing to kick butt. Podcasters Paradise brought in $34,809. We brought in 40 new members in the month of March, which is always exciting, not to mention all of our recurring members. Um, real Revenue, which is how you turn your big idea into real revenue, generated $1,600. You can check out realrevenue.co to learn more. Podcast sponsorship, we crushed it at $59,000. So there's a bunch of other things that, of course, you can check out, eofire.com slash income67. Our affiliate revenue was $43,000. We did $12,000 for ClickFunnels. We did $5,700 with Amy Porterfield's recurring revenue through Digital Course Academy. And just a lot of other revenue coming our way from different things, um, some as low as $25, or I should say $24, and some, again, as high as $12,000, and everything in between. So if you want to see the affiliate revenue that is working for us, the partnerships with other companies, check out our show notes of this episode. We also list out all of our business expenses, which by the way, Kate, you've done a phenomenal job of continuing to trim down. I mean, we have really taken our expenses down to the bare bones. And I'm very confident that every penny that we spend is a penny that's being used in a meaningful way. So that came out to $27,000. Of course, Kate and I have our payroll to each other, uh, to, I should say, to ourselves from the business of just under $16,000 for a total net profit of $127,670. So Kate, your biggest lesson word uh, learned from March of 2019 was just being aware and the power that comes from being aware. Expound upon that and take it home. You got it. So I am no novice to struggles in Roblox when it comes to entrepreneurship. And I started thinking about this because back in 2011, I quit my corporate job to move across the country and live with this guy, John Lee Dumas. This guy. <laughs> and I wasn't completely sure that I even knew what entrepreneurship was, but uh, I don't know, blinded by love. I'm like, I can do this. I'm just going <laughs> to quit my job and start my own business. <laughs> um since I've learned a lot about what it means to be an entrepreneur. Um, in big part, thank you, John, for all of your inspiration and your support in that area. I've learned um, countless lessons um, from you directly and just kind of stumbling my way through. I mean, I've been through a lot of struggles ranging from staying awake at night, stressed out about whether or not I've made the right decision around something, um, all the way to wanting to slam my laptop against the wall because I can't figure out how to like uh, connect a software or, you know, how do I get this to work? Or get text expander to work. 
Oh my gosh, text expander. If you did the most recent <laughs> update uh, on iOS, um, basically you might have experienced same frustrations as me with text expander. Um, yeah, that was a doozy. So thank you for helping me out with that as well, well John. <laughs> um, but we all carry different personality traits and the ways in which we deal with some of the more common struggles or roadblocks, those are definitely going to vary. So I recognize that fully. Um, but what I've come to realize that is a constant is the fact that each of us as individuals are in full control of how the struggles and the roadblocks that we face are overcome. Like, okay, we get frustrated. Um, you know, we come up against these roadblocks, but we all have in ourselves the ability to decide how we're going to proceed at that point, right? We can make it super difficult on ourselves by making excuses, in some cases, just straight giving up. Or we can challenge ourselves and commit to being as resourceful as possible in finding a solution in order to, you know, accomplish that thing to get text expander working again, which for those three days, I was like, I literally don't know what I'm going to do if I can't get text expander working again. Life is not worth living. If you if you don't use text expander, please look it up. It is such a savior. Um, so when we come up against these struggles and roadblocks, it's tough to put that space between us and our immediate feelings of frustration or doubt or anger or whatever it might be, right? I know for me, it is definitely tough. And that's why this month I wanted to talk about it because I've realized something quite powerful. And that is the way that you successfully put that space between you and your immediate feelings of frustration or doubt or anger or whatever it is, is through being aware that those feelings exist. It's really quite simple. As long as we're aware that our immediate feelings of frustration, doubt, or anger can be overcome, our struggles and roadblocks start to become less inhibiting. And that awareness allows us to stop, put that space between us and our immediate feelings. And in that space is where we can redirect our energy to a more positive space. So my biggest lesson learned and what I'm definitely going to be working on is the next time I'm in a situation where I find myself making excuses, doubting myself, or I feel like giving up and I do these lessons learned because I invite you to do the same with me, please pause, give yourself that space and proceed forward in a productive way. I know together we can do this. I'll be thinking about you guys next time you are able to put that space between you and the frustration that you're feeling in order to find a productive way forward. Remember this income report. You got this. Mic drop. Peace. Hey, Fire Nation, hope you enjoyed this income report brought to you by myself, Kate, and of course, David and Josh as well. And if you're ready to just accomplish your biggest goal, and let's just say, huh, 100 days, that sounds good, check out the Freedom Journal. Thefreedomjournal.com will tell you all about it, and you will be able to accomplish your most meaningful goal in 100 days, and that's just how we roll. And use promo code podcast as a little thank you for listening to our podcast, and I will catch you there, Fire Nation, or I'll catch you on the flip side. Looking for a place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart? That place is ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.